the Summer Skate Studios. This is College Hockey Coast to Coast, brought to you by the NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe now for all of the action from the best conference in college hockey. The University of Georgia, building the foundations of something bigger. Go to ugahockey.com to find out how you can be a part of it, both on and off the ice. Summer Skates. Shower shoes and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team at summerskates.com. Adrian College. Championship aspirations on the ice and in the classroom. For more information, go to adrianbulldogs.com slash me1. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos from coast to coast and beyond. Wherever you need to be, Caesars has a destination that suits your style. Central Oklahoma University. Go to ucohockey.com to follow the two-time ACHA M1 champions as they look to add that third championship banner to the rafters. The Spaghetti Shack, ASU alumni owned and operated at thespaghettishack.com. Oklahoma University, 20 years of the action you crave, only faster at ouhockey.net. The Caesars Sportsbook app, where every play earns you Caesars rewards, towards dining, tickets, VIP experiences, and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, award-winning barbecue for your next catered event at jessieraysbarbecue.com. College Hockey Coast to Coast from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, well, welcome in, hockey fans, to another Monday night edition, another Monday night episode, if you will, of College Hockey Coast to Coast, albeit about 20 minutes late tonight as uh, I was scrambling, full-blown, all day. Uh, craziness uh, in Colorado Springs, we'll call it, but Scott Strandy here at the beautiful La Quinta Inn, um, six floors up in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. My co-host, as always, Nothing going on in his life today. He just no. coasted around the big uh, palatial estate. And uh, now he's going a little late, and he'll be uh, tired in the morning. But he hangs in there. So, Paul Hornstein, how are you? Seriously. Uh, I'm not tired yet, but I'm sure I will be in the morning. <laughs> I bet you will. Uh, long day for you, too, driving to Albany and back. And uh, yeah, fighting New York uh... City traffic on the way home. Oh, my God. He just, you know... The, the like the trip up there must have taken about three and a half hours. Forty five minutes of that was just trying to get onto one of the bridges to get out. <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't even know what I guess I'm laughing because I lived it for one day. One day. <laughs> and, and and then trying to get back. On my way up to Albany all these times, the GPS is pretty consistent which with way it takes me. It, it almost, it, 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 every time, unless I assume there's some sort of act that I can remember, it's always taken me on the New York State Thruway. Over the Tappan Zee Bridge, the Thruway, whatever. And you're going to go to the Thruway. And it never takes me home the same way twice. I don't know. When, when we were talking earlier tonight, I don't even know. I mean, I know where I was, but I had no idea where I was and why the GPS was taking me on the fastest route. Really? 
Um, okay. I, I, I find it hard to believe, but oh my God, just, oh, I mean, I, I realize these... lot like I have to drop the gloves with the GPS quite frequently. And I'm guessing you were thinking about it tonight as well. Oh, listen, uh, I, I understand that way back when Robert Moses, when he was basically the tyrant of the city. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, this is the guy that Here's city history. Here we go. Yeah. Well, as, as much as, um, uh, um, Walter O'Malley gets uh, the evil eye and, 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 and the bad name for taking the Dodgers out of Brooklyn. Robert Moses had as much to do with that as anybody else. <laughs> okay. So, um, and basically, he, he the mayor didn't run New York. He did. Yeah. And what a disaster. I mean, I, talk about, I, I understand it was a completely different world 80 years ago, but wow, it's just... <sighs> I wasn't even born then, 80 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got through it. We got started. So we've got uh, another 55 minutes of chatter. Uh, and we've got great chatter because you and I visited um, via the phone. You right. know that thing you can actually talk on? Well, we actually used that on I Friday. Uh, I was on my way to Colorado Springs from Kansas City. You were um, on your way to you Albany. Albany. Yeah. No, well, yeah, I was actually, I had actually made it by then. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we had a chance to visit with the executive director of uh, College Hockey Inc., Mike Snee, who we respect so much and uh, for what he does and what he directs his, what, soon to be four and a half person staff, I think he tells yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and what they do to promote hockey. And that's kind of why we teamed up and partnered up with them. Um, along the way because we thought you know what that's what we want to do that's what they want to do let's uh let's be friends <laughs> yeah and and, oh, yeah. and so so if it doesn't sound perfect audio just know that it was a three-way phone call being recorded so yeah and, and let me tell you that uh our <laughs> our executive producer terry did a wonderful job of editing it and getting it over to me just in the nick of time before the show started so that i'm able to uh look good that's hard <laughs> that happens quite frequently that's as hard. you know <laughs> yeah i know but it but it does happen quite frequently so anyway i know uh we're gonna jump into that in just a minute um it's about a 30 32 minute conversation 34 minute conversation i guess to be exact so um we'll get into that um uh, then we'll talk a little bit more about the polls that came out and of course right. the super 16 is gonna cap us off so before we get to mike snee when you saw the polls now, and I know how you hate this because I do. I hate teams it so have much. Not played yet? Um, yeah. Did you see anything that caught your eye in either one of the polls? And I don't want to even go into them, but anything that caught your eye where you said, "Whoa, I didn't expect these guys to be here at any point." Um, no, not so much that guys were or teams were uh, showed up unexpectedly. Except, I don't know, Quinnipiac lost to Boston College and took a relative beating in their rankings in, in one of the polls, which makes no sense to me. They lost to BC. Whereas BU, also, I mean, they also dropped a little bit too in one of them. 
And they, they won in overtime. So that, may, that doesn't make any sense, but, you know, neither does voting for somebody who hadn't played yet. So, <laughs> Do you want me to get into uh, my battle with the computer rankings? Because I will if you want me to. Oh, I wait, will. you want to do – we could do that. The, the, the first pairwise is out. You want to get into that? We can do that too. <laughs> no, no, we're you not sure? going to do that. We, we don't have enough time. It's time for Mike Sneeze. So okay. I just wanted to ask you about that. Then we'll uh, we'll chat a little bit afterwards about the conversation with uh, Mike and then we'll uh, move on from there. So let's jump into it. Let's talk with the executive director from College Hockey, Inc., Mike Snee. All right. Well, welcome back in, hockey fans, College Hockey Coast to Coast. It is a special day for us today. Anytime we get the executive director from College Hockey, Inc. on with us, it's always special. Paul Hornstein hasn't slept in about a week, waiting to ask Mike Snee some questions and I'm interested in the icebreaker and seeing Mike again in person in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So uh, let's get started with the executive director from College Hockey, Inc., Mike Snee. Mike, Scott, and Paul with you today. How are you? I'm doing great. One week away from uh, the icebreaker, uh, one day away from the uh, official opening of the men's college hockey season, the women's college hockey seasons. I've uh, been going for a week, had uh, some great games last weekend, a great time of life, and even... My Minnesota Twins uh, uh, broke an 0-18 playoff game losing streak, and suddenly they're on a two-game winning streak. So here on Friday, so uh, life is great. Mike, Mike, let me tell you, I got I got two things on that, Paul. Just one second. Um, I've got the Diamondbacks, my my latest home, and the Twins, my my official home. So I got two, Mike. Thrilled that they were going to be a part of it. 
this this year's icebreaker and just like last year's icebreaker, they're they're co-hosting tournaments. Last year it was Air Force in Denver. This year it's Bemidji State, North Dakota. Uh, the commissioners made that change where they allowed uh, co-hosting to occur, uh, so that it could you could have more communities get a chance to host it. Uh, you can have you know a, a challenge with a single site tournament. Sometimes is that early game isn't quite as full as you'd like it to be, especially at the beginning of the game. And as you saw last year, um, Scott, you get out in Colorado on four games. Four, you know, I think all four were pretty close to being full. It just had a great atmosphere to it. Um, and so, first year of co-hosting was a success. And this year, based on what we're seeing up in the Michigan Grand Forks, it's going to be just as good. And a uh, great field, in addition to the Michigan State, North Dakota, Army, and the Wisconsin will be up there. There is a little bit of a curveball in that it's not a traditional tournament. So there, you could end up in a scenario where you have four teams that finish one and one. And then, then what do you do? Um, we didn't have that last year because the two teams that won Friday played each other Saturday. So... So we didn't have to. We didn't have to. I guess get to the what do you do standpoint, but we do have a tiebreaker scenario uh, that goes pretty deep. Uh, in, in case we do end up with that situation, but I think I think everybody loves that we're gonna have four rocket games. Um, we've got two communities that get to host it, and, um, and it's pretty special. So uh, great way to start the season. I will be in Grand Forks on Friday and Bemidji on Saturday, so I look forward to watching some hockey with you on Friday. Absolutely. Now, Mike, let me ask. Go ahead, Bob. Let, let me ask a question. Now, obviously, there's different factors involved, but how do the teams get selected? I assume they have to a volunteer for it. Um, is there a specific rotation you guys try to follow? Um, is there a process of some sort to make you guys decide who plays in each year's tournament? So if the tournament is overseen and awarded by the Commissioners Association, which are the, are the, the commissioners of the six men's conferences, this is for the men's icebreaker in particular, there's also a women's icebreaker, right. but for the men's icebreaker, uh, the commissioners selected the college hockey administers the tournament. So there's an RFP that is released and in fact about two weeks ago we released the RFP for the 2026 icebreaker oh so so various hosts put their proposal together and they they uh, they submit their their bids um the guidelines that we have is that every conference has to be uh, represented at least once every three years um and then that and that no more than one school from the conference can play in a tournament unless they're co-hosted so if you had a scenario, I'm trying to think of one, if you had a scenario where Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan wanted to co-host it, they're in the same conference, we would, we would allow that. However, Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan couldn't both go play in Denver and Air Force. Uh, you know, only one of them could because they're in the same conference. So this year, it works out that the co-hosts are from two separate conferences, CCHA and NCHC. And then the other two schools are from two separate conferences, Big Ten and Atlantic Hockey. So we have four conferences represented this year. That's really the only requirements we put on it. Um, the other aspects are up to the host, host or hosts to complete the field as long as they follow that guideline of, um, of uh, separate conferences and, and each conference being, being represented every, uh, every three years. So uh, just because you brought it up and I don't want to exclude them, 
I assume it's similar for the women. Yeah, Vegas, they're 
they have high level club hockey at UNLV and it does very well on the ice. It does well off the ice with fan support and media support. It's pretty special when you think about where the game has come from. Mike, Mike, let me vouch for that because uh, I've just now in the last two and a half months traveled 9,842 miles uh, in my vehicle uh, with my wife beside me as we travel to see um, everywhere <laughs> from Temecula, California to Long Island, New York. Yeah, yeah it really, it really is. It's just, uh, I mean, I mean it's, it's almost so normal now that it perhaps isn't even news and that we shouldn't call places you know, non-traditional hockey markets it is for the most part everywhere. But I, uh, you know, I was uh, I was a fifth grader when the U.S. won the gold medal back in 1980, and you know, most of those players were from one of two states. You know, they were either from Massachusetts or Minnesota. There were a couple guys from Michigan, a guy from Wisconsin. I don't even know if there's anybody from any other state other than those four. You know, and and, and again, like 80 percent of the players were from Massachusetts or Minnesota, and uh, and. That's just because that's the way it had to be back then. And now you look at the rosters of the, uh, whether it's Olympic team or World Junior team or women's, uh, you know, the national team, and they're coming from 11, 12, 13 states. You know, this, this year alone, there are players playing men's Division One college hockey from four different states. Wow. Oh, we love that. We love yeah, that. So, so uh, that end of... Uh, I guess you could say it started with 1980, and then, and then I really think the Mighty Ducks movie was a big deal, and Wayne Gretzky going to the to the Kings was a, a big deal. But good on the NHL for putting teams back then in San Jose, Tampa, Florida, uh, and then just just continuing with it. And it's really been a success everywhere they've gone. They have created a new hockey. Okay, Mike. Uh, so. You kind of led me into this one. I wanted to get your thoughts on the the second half of the show today um, on the state of college hockey. And uh, we had Nick Ravoni on from UNLV the other night. And uh, boy, Nick is still pumping the the gas pedal a little bit to hope that they can finally get to an NCAA program. Um, I told you I was at Tennessee State. They're excited about hopefully getting there at some point. Sure, not a problem. I I was mentioning how... The unique aspects of uh, Division One college hockey, oh, and, and, and it, it comes out a variety of ways, influencing the NCA. Um, that uh, if you're not if you're new to college hockey, it might be a little bit hard to understand that we have a sport that's predominantly played, uh, uh, you know, in, in single sport hockey only conferences. Only Big Ten men's hockey is the only only multi sport sponsorship of hockey events or uh, women's division one hockey and, and then to add to it you have so many division two institutions division two athletic departments that are sponsoring division one hockey because they're able to because there's not an NCAA championship in division two so they're allowed to compete in division one and then you have these traditional institutions that have been playing division one hockey forever but they're division three schools like RPI Colorado College and several others that have uh, that are allowed to continue doing that, even though now that a Division three institution can no longer play Division one hockey, but we still have a number of them and a number that are doing well. So all these ingredients, which maybe to a, a first timer would look at it and say, "Boy, that looks different than college basketball or college volleyball or whatever," and it does look different, but it's very appealing. 
I think. Um, and those schools don't just have Division One teams; they they do very well at it. You've seen you've seen Division Two schools have tremendous success. Uh, Minnesota Duluth won a couple of championships. St. Cloud State, Minnesota State, were both in national championship games. And then schools that aren't at their Division One, but maybe they're not at that profile, like including PIAC, is a great example. Last year in the Frozen Four, they beat Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, to win the national championship, and it's not looked at like some miracle on ice. It's very expected. But if Yak was the best team down in Tampa, and uh, many expect them to um, challenge again this year, so all of these, all of these aspects to college hockey uh, make it kind of mystifying, and I think a very attractive way. But it does impact our ability to have uh, to have an influence down in. In, uh, in Indianapolis with the NCAA offseason. I don't know if this was picked up or not, um, I, so I might be repeating myself, but I wanted to share my admiration with how I witnessed the commissioners um, in this, of the conferences, the, the, the seven commissioners of the Mets and Women's Conferences, how well they work together and they compete on the ice, obviously, but they really do a, they, uh, a, a great job looking out on behalf of the sport and they meet regularly. And they really do have the best interests of college hockey in mind. And as, as I get a, a chance to you know, be part of that, to observe it, and I, I find it impressive. And as, as a college hockey fan, and that's what I am first and foremost, I really appreciate that they care about the game like they do. Okay, Mike. Uh, so as I was telling you, it may have cut off before we got it recorded, but uh, I, we had Nick Raboni on our uh American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast on Wednesday night, and he's uh, still pushing the gas pedal to try to get them to the NCAA level. And I know there's other teams that are talking and things like that, but can you give me a thumbnail or give us a thumbnail of uh, where do you think college hockey is right now and just uh, how good it is? I mean, a great example is I was communicating yesterday with the athletics director at Augustana, wishing him well. They're currently traveling down to Madison. Augustana Vikings are bringing NCAA Division One hockey to South Dakota starting tomorrow with the road series in Wisconsin. Um, and then their, their beautiful new 3,000 seat on campus arena will open in, um, in January. So I'd say the state of college hockey is pretty darn good when you realize. That, that every other year it seems like there's a new school adding Division One hockey in this year at Augustana. Um, so that's super exciting. And then also this weekend, it's not their first game, but it's their first game in three years. Uh, Robert Morris men's team plays tomorrow against Bowling Green. Their women's team came back last weekend, and to know what um, you know what they what they went through, what they did, both Derek Schooley and Morgan Biddle to. Uh, to bring those programs back from being dropped by that school, and, and uh, so that's a reason to celebrate. So I don't want to be naive. Uh, college athletics has not just college hockey, but college athletics has some unique, unique challenges ahead of themselves. Uh, it's at a spot that it's never been at before. But if you just hone in on college hockey, how I like to measure it is. Fan interest, school interest, and sports growing. It's not declining. Not every sport can say that. Uh, there's tremendous parity amongst it right now uh, in the game in terms of the number of schools having success. I think this this stat really blows me away. Uh, more than half of all of the Division One schools in the NCAA tournament in the last five years, 34. You know, 
this year we'll be at 64 schools. Last year we were at 62 schools. 34 of those schools are in the NCAA tournament in the last uh, five years. And in the last five years, there's been 10 different schools you know, that make the Frozen Four. So it's not the same schools every year. Um, so the game is interesting to watch. And then also, one more NHL players coming from college hockey than ever before. And, and how many of the women that were drafted in the initial draft uh, in the Women's Professional League uh, was almost all of them. And when you see those rosters, when those rosters are completed and released, there will be a significant number of former college hockey players. And then to put a bow on it, the most important part, 92% of men that play college hockey are in the degree. 98% of women that play college hockey are in the degree. So uh, there are some things that you can point to as where we can improve. But as a whole, it's never been better. State, how Penn State did it, 
just just a couple more for me. And one of them is, and I don't know if you guys talked about it when I lost the uh, the call, but um, Paul and I have talked about the need for conferences, and you know how we support teams in the West, and uh, the, the two Alaskas come to mind. Huntsville comes to mind. Uh, Long Island, Lindenwood. Uh, how important is it, and is there anything that you guys can do at College Hockey Inc. to kind of facilitate maybe a regrouping of teams? And Paul's put together a whole thing, and and I won't let him run off and tell you about it, but if you ever want to know, it's about 40 pages of how he thinks it should lay out. <laughs> well, it sounds like I have a 39 aspirin uh, to accompany that, that reading. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that College Hockey Inc., that's not necessarily our charge. Um, you know, that's that would be more for the commissioners to... Just like, you know, as I said earlier, they, they really do work well together. And there's a balance there because they're looking out on behalf of their conference and the members of their conference. So, and they have to do that. Um, but at the same time, they work well with the other. Agreement. But if our country's elected leaders work as well together as our college hockey leaders do, Some of the schools we've talked to, 
they don't even have a 800 seat community ice rink 10 miles away to, to utilize so they literally would need to build something so and then you're talking about a major fundraising campaign to get it done um, but i'll say that there will be some growth but i will say i bet the under on <laughs> good stuff mike uh final one for me is uh i want to give you a chance because i don't think people fully uh, appreciate how much work you guys do and you guys are still just a person office correct Great, great little segment here. Uh, we have three full-time people, and then uh, we have a, a wonderful person that works on a part-time basis for us to handle uh, all of our financial and accounting type stuff. Which, um, so to me, she's the MVP of the department because I do not want to do that, <laughs> and she doesn't at all. So we're we're three and a half uh, uh, staff department, but we're about to go to four and a half. Just uh, we're in the process of. Uh, the very beginning of the process of hiring a director of women's hockey. So this person will, will come aboard hopefully by January 1st and we'll do uh, uh, maybe not 100%, but mostly focus on women's college hockey, growing women's college hockey, identifying good stories to tell, and, uh, and just venturing into, into that more than we have been. Because so much of what our focus is is still amateurism and having young, aspiring Male players keep their amateur uh, eligibility intact. As you know, um, there there are, are opportunities for players in Canada and Europe to be considered professional hockey players at a very young age, as young as 15 and 16. Those amateur issues do not exist for uh, young aspiring girls at that age. Um, so we're not needed there like we are needed in, in boys and young men's hockey. Um, but still, there's a lot of value that we, I think that we can provide to women's college hockey. So uh, we're in the process of accepting applications. We've got a ton from people that want, want that role. It's very exciting to see that enthusiasm for it. And, um, and so we'll soon become four, uh, four full-time people and one part-time, people, one, one part-time person. Uh, that's so good. Mike, I look forward to seeing you next Friday uh, up in Grand Forks. And take care. Safe travels, okay? All right, that is uh, Mike Snead joining us uh, from College Hockey Inc., the executive director. Really good stuff. I hope it all comes through for you real well uh, because of the fact that we did have some things, uh, uh, technical issues being all over the country. But we'll be right back to uh, wrap up another episode of College Hockey Coast to Coast. From the nation's best college hockey conference. Access exclusive on-demand content and watch more than 140 live games. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. On your phone, computer, or stream to your TV. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. When you can't be there, be here. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. you talk about the best of Las Vegas, you're talking about the best of the best. So when you're at Jesse Ray's Barbecue and you're a three-time winner of the Best of Las Vegas Award, it speaks for itself. At 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson, come and savor our People's Choice Award-winning barbecue ribs. Or maybe just come in and pick up a bottle of our best in Las Vegas barbecue sauce to take home. 
Open seven days a week. You can order online at jessieraysbarbecue.com. And for an occasion that will be remembered for a long time, call us for all of your catering projects at Jesse Ray's Barbecue today. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegers. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel. towards the goalie. Score. before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a portable level. ASU alumni owned and operated, the Spaghetti Shack has three locations at 6340 South Rural Road in Tempe, the ASU location at 922 East Apache Road, and 952 West White Mountain Road in Pine Top. For lunch, dinner, or catering as well, call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. From the nchc.tv studios, this is ITHSW Podcast's College Hockey Coast to Coast. Indeed it is, College Hockey Coast to Coast. Scott Strandy with you again tonight in Colorado Springs, Colorado, on my way towards Grand Forks, North Dakota, later in the week. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein out in that big, beautiful palatial estate on Long Island, New York, where it's always sunshine, gumdrops, roses, rainbows, whatever. You know um, something I don't know because <laughs> anyway, I look around me, I don't see any palatial estate. <clears throat> oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, I didn't get to see it when I was out there, by the way. The because uh, there's nothing to see. Well, I mean, yeah, ways away. they keep a me away way. too. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Hopefully that came through okay. You were listening. I was playing and listening. But um, great visit with Mike Snee. Sometimes yeah. technology jumps up and bites us. But uh, hopefully it came through okay and people enjoyed it. So, Paul, what did you enjoy most about the visit with Mike Snee? Uh, there, there was a, it was a lot. Um, you know, I hope he's I hope he's wrong about the 70 number. <laughs> you want to take me over? <laughs> no, I just want him to be wrong. Oh, okay. I just want it to be over. Um, you know, um, it was it was a good description of what they do at College Hockey Inc. You know, I'm glad they're getting somebody to focus strictly on women's hockey. Um, and just in case people don't understand, although I'm I'm sure that most of the people that you know download our shows and and listen know that uh, when he talks about professionals quote unquote at a young age is talking about the Canadian junior system. Yeah. Yeah. And Europe. Um, you can do that in Europe too. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 more of the um yeah, I mean they can. But I mean I most people I mean Austin Matthews chose that route. Yeah, but not everybody's Austin Matthews. Well I know. I'm just saying that that it does happen. Very rarely yes. but it does happen. Yes. Um 
you know, and, um, you know, I, I think he, he, you know, he hit the nail on the head. We, you know, we all like to see it happen a lot faster, but as we've always said, ASU is the exception. It was just a weird, uh, crossroads of circumstances and they had a place to do it in Oceanside. Um, and an ad that you know that uh has signed off aggressive <laughs> yeah and said okay let's do it we can make money at this let's do it and okay Dan. so that that just doesn't have like like you said yeah. you know penn state was in talks for about a decade yeah and, and let me tell you a, a voice of somebody that's been around uh ten thousand eight hundred some miles right now um you can tell when there's legitimate opportunities for teams to make the move. I can tell uh, when I see them face to face, hear the conversations, uh, look beyond the words. Sometimes, you know, who's going to go relatively soon and who's serious and who has it all together. And you also see the quote unquote pretenders. And that's not to take any shots at anybody. It's just saying that, um, that that's realistic. This does not happen without, a realistic game plan, no matter what the game plan is. And uh, Arizona State, Penn State did it their way, Lindenwood, um, and, uh, of course, LIU did it their way. Um, so there's uh, th- there's paths for everybody. Right, but- and uh, we hope that nothing is discouraged, and we hope that people use the resources at College Hockey, Inc. to, uh, to help them advance if they choose. Right, and, and, and you know, we also know that there are, schools that are serious about it but that doesn't mean it's going to happen no no certainly does not so okay um we've got uh oh gee what about 10 minutes left of the show so i think it is almost time for something um special in our life really yeah you have any idea what that could be is terry coming on uh no 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 um I don't know. What the hell is that? That's a drum oh, roll, my friend. Oh, the pairwise? It, it is. No, it is. Holy Cross is number two in the pairwise. That's a double drum roll for the October 9th version. The uh, Let's call it the first official. Kind of. Super 16 with Whatever. one Paul Hornstein. So, Paul... Um, I've got it in front of me. I know you have it in front of you. You've got it in your brain because you're the one that formulated this. But give us the top four, Paul, and let's preface this by saying that nobody qualifies for this until they play an official game. Correct? Well, yeah. I mean, I you know, I can use my imagination and and stretch a preseason poll when nobody has played, although I still think it's silly. Okay. So I, you know, you know, you, you sent me messages about my dog. So I, you know, I, I got scared and, and, <laughs> and did a preseason poll because I was afraid. And no, no matter how ridiculous I think they are. Um, oh, but okay. yeah, once, once the season starts, <laughs> you got to play to get, you have to be ranked. Okay. So do you want to give me the people, the top four? Do you want me to? Well, that's your job. I I okay. I did. I, I had to do the work to put the to put the list together. Okay, here we go. Um, 
Denver comes in and Paul Hornstein Super 16 at 2 and 0, the number one team in the country. Boston College at 1 and 0 is 2. Boston University at 1 and 0 is 3. Quinnipiac at 0 and 1 is 4. Paul, how did you come up with those? Well, I mean, Denver went on the road about as far as you can go. Um, without their head coach? Without which I didn't even know at the time, by the way. Um, you know, they went 2-0. and They played two games. Um, they were already in the top four. And it, it was a very close um, top four to begin with. So moving them to one after they went on the road and swept two games uh, in Fairbanks. And, and that's not that only hard. a tough trip, but that's a pretty good team in Fairbanks as well. They were close. An NCAA you know, tournament last year. Yeah, well, you know, if it wasn't for upsets, they would have been in, but still. Okay. So uh, let's do five through eight. Michigan at one and one, Michigan State at two and oh, Providence at one and one, and Michigan Tech at oh, oh, and one. That's the one you love. You love those games that are, are, are ties, and they've got three numbers in there, don't you? Well, listen. Uh, I, I got to watch the the Michigan win over Providence as, as they split the weekend. And, wow, I mean, just uh, Michigan is good. Providence is, is good. I mean, you know, we – I mean, just the, 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 the games the, – the games were just – I mean, that's – you know, that's an opening weekend of hockey right there. Providence goes in there on Friday night, uh, Saturday night, and wins on opening night. Uh, Michigan comes back uh, with a late surge after the game was, you know, it was it was two to one, and they eventually went up five to, to two. And Providence got a couple of late goals to make it a one goal game. Um, but wow, I mean, big time stuff. Um, I was really impressed by Providence. Um, a tough place to play to go into Yoast and do that, especially early in the season. And uh, lots of kudos for that. So, Okay. Let's do uh, 9 through 12. Uh, St. Cloud, 1-1. One one. UMD, Duluth, 0-0-1. Zero, zero Clarkson, 1-1. One and, one. Uh, and Notre Dame, one and one. Um, Paul, you saw Michigan Tech and you saw Duluth, as did I. You saw bits and pieces, I'm sure, of St. Cloud and St. Thomas. I saw a lot of those games. Uh, <laughs> I really did. I figured you did. I know. I, I figured you did. Um, I, I don't know how that worked on, on the second game, but somehow I came across a feed, so I got to watch a lot of that game. Okay, so, so give us your thoughts on those teams and uh, a lot of people will tell you and say, Paul Hornstein, Duluth at 0-0-1, and you have them 10 in the country? Well, first of all, they played. There's a start. You can start. You got to play to be ranked. Um, uh, we knew Michigan Tech was going to be good, and to be honest with you, I mean, if you watch the first two periods of that game, as we said last night, the – as good as Duluth was, the best player on the ice was Blake Pietla. 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 P
Pietala, I'm tired too. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Michigan Tech came back and tied the game up. And, you know, they played a tie. And it was just, it was a really good game between two really good teams. And, you know, for Tech to go in there into Duluth and, and, and play the game that they played. And Duluth, like I said, they were all over Michigan Tech. You know, so full marks to them, even though, yes, they were playing at home. Um, so, you know, between teams not being eligible and so forth and so on, Duluth would... Would that be the proverbial hot goaltender? Well, when does he cool down? Because I don't think he ever does. So what what yeah. is when you when you talk about a hot goalie in Blake Pietala, um we, we're talking degrees because I don't think he ever cools down. And again, I don't know how he would translate to professional hockey, but he's as good a college hockey, you know, and I I will always be a Dryden McKay fanboy. Uh, in terms of his college career, but man, Pietel is good too. He's really, really good. Okay. All right. Let's get the final four of your top 16. UConn, 1 0 1. Northeastern, 1 0. Penn State, 1 0. And St. Thomas, 1 1. Rico Blasi, you cut it. You got into the top 16 for the very first time, I believe. Yeah. Well, and I, I knew this would catch your eye. Uh, again, uh, are they, you know, if everybody has, was playing this weekend, would they be there? I don't know. But I know this about that team. Okay, This team is infinitely better than last year's version. Okay? Even the game they lost over the weekend, it was a one nothing loss. Okay, and, and a game that was very tightly contested. Uh, a game that, um, you know, uh, against a St. Cloud team that obviously got a lot of firepower. Okay. Um, a, a, a tremendously exciting game, a little physical, especially in that second period. Um, and honestly... St. Thomas was the better team on on Sunday night. They outshot St. Cloud uh, 33-19. Well, we had Rico Blasi on earlier, a month and a half ago or so, and uh, he told us to be ready for his Tommies, that they were going to be ready to play hockey. And, uh, boy, some of the guys that they've um, recruited, brought in uh, through the portal or whatever it might be, they built a really good, team a team that can challenge um challenge for a ccha uh championship even though they can't win it <laughs> they can still uh, challenge for it yeah or well can they win the regular season they might be able to win the regular season yeah and not the tournament right i mean you want it you survived and won a game on the road where you gave up four power play goals um and and yes, it was the it was the only it was the big sheet, and you know you don't play on it that much in college hockey anymore. Uh, another physical game, but they got through it. 
right? The the the, the, the possession time was a little more even. Um, and St. Thomas wins in overtime. And, and on a, on a, on a really good on a really good goal by uh, Ryder Donovan and you know when they carried and that Stephen in Stephen Marsh would tell you Stephen Marsh would tell you that he's a Vegas Golden Knights um, draft pick. Well, I, I tell Stephen he's got to wear <laughs> sunglasses. They don't want him to be blinded by the, the, the somebody's ring um, or your pom poms. But um, but yeah, no. And they carried it into Saturday night, uh, Sunday night, and just they just couldn't beat Dominic Bassey, who had a great night. Yeah, yep, I hear you. All right, let's repeat these real quickly. Uh, Denver one, Boston College two, Boston University three, Quinnipiac four. Michigan 5, Michigan State 6, Providence 7, Michigan Tech 8, St. Cloud 9, Duluth at 10, Clarkson at 11, Notre Dame at 12, UConn 13, Northwestern at, uh, or, sorry, Northeastern. That would be great if Northwestern played. Uh, Northeastern yeah, at 14, Penn State at 15, St. Thomas at 16. Boy, I see a, uh, a lot of Michigan schools and uh, I guess Northern did Northern not play, or did they just not make your cut? Uh, Northern did not play, so they wouldn't have been a, uh, okay. Because there could have been four Michigan schools in there. That'd have been scary. They were not <laughs> eligible. Okay, <laughs> and Notre Dame is really close to Michigan too, by the way. Anyway, uh, <sighs> I'm giving you geography lessons because I drove ten thousand eight hundred miles so far. Right, well, um, nobody would know it like you. That's for sure. Okay, so here we go. This weekend, um, the icebreaker. In Grand Forks, North Dakota, with uh, UND and Army on Friday night, and uh, UND and Wisconsin on Saturday night, the uh, um, Friday night contest in Bemidji will feature Bemidji State and Wisconsin, and then Saturday night Bemidji State and Army. Um, also, Augustana will be opening at home, not in their new building yet, but in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Lots of good stuff going on for there. I'll be there for the Sunday game, I hope. And uh, everybody else should be underway next weekend. So we'll find out exactly what's going on and uh, how many more teams can break into Paul Hornstein's Super 16. Okay. Uh, Our thank you to uh, the executive director, Mike Snee from College Hockey, Inc. I also want to shout out Michael Weissman. Man, the hardest working guy in hockey. Let's just say it right now. Stop none. Uh, I mean, there's nobody uh, that's done more than he does uh, in a day. And today he made time for me as I went over to the NCHC offices for a while. And uh, I warned him you were coming. And you know what he did? He, I said, hey, got any swag? And he opened up the closet door. He goes, have at it. Then, nice. then I, or he, I came out about, I don't know, 20 minutes later. And he goes, you need a box, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah, you, you need a box that will not get shipped to me either. So, you know, what the heck's the difference? <laughs> So he brought me a box. Hopefully we love him as partners. Uh, the building is great. I razzed him a little bit. I said, still only eight bucks on the wall. That ninth one is not there yet. He said, not yet. Not till next season. They're, uh, they're not playing yet. Um, so anyway, I get it. we're talking yeah. about Arizona State, which will be the ninth puck on the wall at yep. uh, the NCHC offices. So thanks to Michael for making some time on a very busy Monday. Thanks to the guys at Air Force, uh, Dave Toller and the group there. Thanks to Jerry Cross and everybody over at uh, Colorado College and Ed Robson Arena uh, for all they do for me. As I told you when I took a picture of my credentials, I said, they get it. They understand what it takes. If you if you want our coverage, you uh, you have to ask for it. And 
and uh, we will do it. Anyway, um, that's all I got. All right. This has been College Hockey Coast to Coast, brought to you by Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson, where our food can be summed up in one word, perfection. By Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, no one knows goalies' needs better than we do. See the website for our three Valley locations and more. Liberty University, strengthen your faith and your game at the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast at Liberty.edu. The Caesars Sportsbook app, proud partner of the NHL. College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian comfort food quickly, with two locations in Tempe and one in Pine Top, lunch, dinner, or your next catered event at thespaghettishack.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where the action is from the Atlantic to the Pacific and around the world. And by FedEx, deliveries made easy no matter where you are, the official delivery company of Ice Time Hockey West. College Hockey Coast to Coast and all of the Ice Time Hockey West podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app or for download on your favorite podcast platform by searching and subscribing to ITHSW Podcasts. That's all one word. ITHSW Podcasts, all one word. If you like what you hear, tell a friend or leave a positive review. College Hockey Coast to Coast is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com. Very well done, my friend. We will say again a big thank you to Mike Snee, the Executive Director at uh, College Hockey, Inc., for joining us tonight and giving us some more insight uh, into the, the world of NCAA College Hockey. And I hope we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to visit with Mike again hopefully. this Friday night in Grand Forks, North Dakota. We'll say goodnight. Little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. Hello, New Day. Good night, everybody. Good night.